Praise God. Uh, great to see you guys. You know, uh, John, I'll, I'll bring up John later. He'll actually fit my message, you know. It's exciting what the Lord did there. It was pretty heartbreaking what he went through, but uh, the Lord uses everything we go through. If we love him for the good, amen. We've got to trust, trust him in that, and we absolutely should trust him in that. So we are in Revelation chapter 21, but uh, I was going to do a part two, kind of going off of the message I did for me, the men at the men's retreat, and that was going to be on, uh, you know, overcoming pornography. But I thought if I do that, then next week we have a Father's Day message. I've got all these messages tailored to men. Not that some women don't struggle with pornography. They do. So I didn't want to have, you know, all these messages in a row for men in our general assembly. So I want to be wise about this. So I was praying uh, about, you know, uh, what message to preach. And well, I don't want to continue in the spot we left off last time in Revelation because I want to pick that up so we can get a rhythm going uh, after the Father's Day message sometime. But I want to do something that's related to Revelation 21. In Revelation chapter 21, we're uh, looking at the new heaven and the new earth. And in verse 4, it talks about what happens to our tears. And the name of this message is When God Weeps. When God Weeps. And I thought by doing this message, we might uh, capture in our consciousness a better understanding of who God is, his character, what this world's like, what we're to be like in this world, and why we weep, and uh, really hopefully have a greater love for the Lord and a greater freeness to weep before him. Now, uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, and a time to cry. And definitely there are times to cry, amen? Aren't you grateful there are also times to laugh, amen? Uh, praise God for that. But there are definitely times to cry. And uh, Jim Murphy, uh, during our time of, one of our times of worship, the men's retreat, he yelled out to the worship leader, I think it was Gerald at the time, that you made a bunch of us in this area at least, you know, uh, cry during the worship. And he was just, because the, uh, the worship was, very moving during the men's retreat with the various worship leaders that we had had. Uh, my wife and Holly talked about how a story that Big Jim told made them get teary, uh, teared up, and they basically were uh, crying when we were crying, I guess, around the same time. Uh, there's different, Lisa says, when you go to retreats and you go to retreats, you're always more weepy, you know, because I, I think it's because I'm bearing people's burdens a lot. She said, you came back from Connecticut and you're just, you know, every time you talk about things and you start to cry. And, and uh, it's because I'm, you know, it's, especially as a pastor, but it should be with all of us to one degree or another. We're bearing each other's burdens, amen. And uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, speaks to our hearts and helps us enter into the pain that other people go through. And when you do that as a pastor, uh, you're doing that often, uh, you hopefully never become immune to that and you still feel for people and love them, amen? And uh, so it's interesting. And, and those men were at the men's retreat when I had my message uh, on sexual sin and pornography. I lost it up there. Uh, weeping began to cry for the men, warning them that I don't, I think I said, I don't want any of you to go to hell, you know? And I just lost it because I could just, my heart broke for anybody that would be in the clutches of the captivity of Satan through that sin and refuses to repent because uh, I don't, because your heart breaks. You love, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ and you don't want to see any perish. Well, it's interesting. Uh, John Brooks, Lisa and I, we had a lunch with him. He came all the way out and you just saw him speaking there uh, from North Carolina and he wanted to grab a lunch and we love John. He was here years and years ago and he comes out quite a bit and he loves a fellowship here, and he just uh, was longing to be with the brothers, and that's why it was so sad. I mean, for people that look forward to the men's retreat, he's one of the guys that just looks forward among the most because he's not around a lot of the brothers in the Lord often because he has a hard time finding strong Christian fellowship where he lives, and he does a lot of it online with, as he mentioned, the worldwide uh, Blessed Hope family, but to see people face-to-face -face is one thing and much better and as we're fellowshipping we went to Chi Chi's together and got some pizza Lisa him and myself and and uh and you know we got an antipasto salad that's what he was saying if if when that I made him eat lettuce and I encouraged him I said hey the salad there is amazing by the way it's fresh and bright and cold and Italian dressing and just peppuccinis and go on and on 
really good. Anyway, I go, John, have some salad, man. He goes, I don't eat vegetables ever or fruit, okay? Fruit, I go, you don't eat fruit or vegetables? And I just told him, you know, you can get really sick if you don't eat fruit vegetables for a long time. I don't know how you are alive, you know? I didn't know he was going to get really sick. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I don't think it was, I don't think it was because of that lettuce I made you, eat, made you eat, John. And I put some in front of him. I said, just eat a little bit, man. It's so good. And he had a, a, one leaf or two and said, okay, I had my, my you know, my 10-year supply or whatever. I don't know what it was he was thinking. And uh, anyway, we got to the retreat. You know, I hadn't seen John. And then I heard that... Uh, uh, it's a long story. I'll just say, you know, I, I heard that he was in a cabin. He was wiped out, and some of us went over there, and he was just wiped out. He was laid out just, you know. He couldn't talk hardly at all. The EMT, and then the, it took about an hour before the ambulance came because we're up the mountain, you know. And, uh, and I opened up the windows in the cabin because I didn't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, you know, but I had a strong feeling he had COVID, and he did. And uh, they were saying it might have been a stroke or whatever. And I was hoping it was COVID because stroke's much worse, right? Than this COVID, this current brand of it, right? So uh, praise God, by the grace of God, it was COVID. And he got better, but it, it wiped him out. He couldn't fellowship with the brothers. But you know what he told Lisa and I when we were sitting with him prior to the trip? He just volunteered the information that he never cries. He says, I never cry. I've cried, I think, once that I can remember in my life. You know? And... Uh, and I thought, that's interesting, you know. He said he never cries. Well, when I talked to him, when the retreat was over, it was hard to communicate. I couldn't go visit him because I haven't been vaxxed, you know. But when I was able to talk to him getting down the mountain, uh, we had a great chat. But he said, Joe, we talked about how he said that he never cries but one time that he could remember his life. He said, Joe, because the outpouring of love that my brothers have shown me, brothers and sisters, because it wasn't just those at the retreat, but it was people that were praying for him around the world that are connected to Blessed Hope. He said, I've cried for two days straight. I can't stop crying, you know. Kept crying and crying and crying. Isn't that amazing, you know? And I want to do a message, when God weeps. Uh, so, do sisters ever have any tears at the women's retreats? <laughs> <laughs> do bears go to the bathroom in the woods? Of course they do. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. John was crying because of the outpouring of love that he was seeing, you know? Just, it was precious to him. And uh, it's very interesting uh, because tears are unique to humans as far as all the created species there's no other creature out of the millions and millions of different species. Think about that. Get your brain around that, that actually cry emotionally and drip tears. Oh, most creatures, they have tears in the context of fluid that comes out of their, their ducts as like kind of like, and they can blink usually in so many of them as window wipers, so to speak, or that, that deal with bacteria and, and deal with allowing them to see properly and so forth. But I'm talking about tears of sadness based on emotion, that is a phenomena that's reserved for humans, which I think is another awesome evidence of God, you know, because we've been given a stewardship, amen? And the Bible says that in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that we've been made in the image of God, amen? that reflect the Lord, that we of all the creatures can see. And there's angels. We don't read about angels weeping either, which is interesting. Not that, we, you know, I might get argument from silence, though. I don't know that. It doesn't say they don't weep either. But of all the creatures that we've been able to study biologically, physiologically, we, can't, we don't discover tears of sorrow in animals. Yet those who are in the image of God and have a stewardship and have a, a better understanding of what's going on in the world in the, in the sadness of, of pain. God's given us the ability and uh, even perhaps we could even call it loosely a miracle of tears, you know, that we're able to have tears and cry. And, tear, and crying is actually really good for you, you know, not if you're crying over spilled milk all the time and whining about little things that could be really bad for you and if you complain and murmur too much, look what happened on the way to the promised land. They got severely judged by God. But there is a time to cry and there is a time to laugh. Amen. It's very, very important that we understand this and that we appreciate this reality. 
uh, tears are very, very helpful for us in, in a myriad of ways, scientifically speaking. I mean, how many of you chop onions up and, you know, and you cry during the onions? Some of you might wear sunglasses or some of you might chew gum and that might help or whatever, or do it where there's air or do it not right under you. That's, that helps. You do it over here a little bit, which kind of, I always go back to here and I'm like, you know, but and because the, uh, there's a chemical in your onions that makes contact with your eyes, it creates sulfuric surf, uh, acid. It's not sulfuric acid, uh, uh, you know, right when you take it. You can, we're going to do communion at the end, Doug. No, I'm kidding. That wasn't even Doug. <laughs> I think there's a baby being changed back there. Everybody's uh, like looking. Uh, so you get sulfuric acid is what happens because it, it mixes with chemicals in your eyes and you get sulfuric acid. And by the way, if you didn't tear up, right, your eyes would burn up. So thank God for tears, amen. Uh, thank, thank God for uh, the tears that we, we do have because they can be very helpful. In fact, it's interesting. You would have a ton of eye infections if you didn't have, if your eyes didn't tear up. Uh, there's a chemical also called, or an agent, I should say, an antibacterial agent called lysozyme. And lysozyme basically uh, just destroys, breaks up harmful chemicals and harmful bacteria. Like 90 to 95% of the harmful stuff, the, the bacterial agents get in your eyes. The lysozyme in your tears that God created for you destroys them, flushes them out, kills them. Uh, not only flushes them out, but actually destroys those. And that's, that's so be thankful for tears, Amen. Tears are an awesome thing, uh, but also tears are very important emotionally because if you have a deep sadness and you refuse to cry, it's like keeping a poison within you, you know, it can hurt you if you don't let it out. Now, if you don't feel like crying, that's one thing, but if, you, if you're constantly saying, I won't let myself cry, well, that's an emotional release that God's allowed us to have. Uh, and by the way, scientists have found out that there are all kinds of toxins within your body that are released through tears. That's amazing when you think about it. And they found that out because they, looked, they study tears and they find all these toxins that were once in your body that come out through the tears. Toxins are poisons. And I believe, I think there's an interesting parallel there. Not only does it physically help us, but tears of repentance, where we truly have godly sorrow. Uh, because we've blown it, we've hurt someone, we've hurt the Lord, we've hurt those who are made in the image of God in some way, and we cry over our sin, uh, there's a spiritual thing that takes place. God forgives us, of course, when we're repentant and we look to Jesus, but it also has a spiritual effect on our hearts because studies have shown that those who cry have, are, have a better physical well-being and a better you know, physiological well-being and biblically, we see that when we have tears of repentance, we have a very uh, better spiritual well-being. So this is all very, very interesting to me. And from Genesis to Revelation, crying and tears are mentioned. The first book of the Bible to the last. In Genesis, you see Abraham cries, it says, when his wife dies. Those are tears of sadness. Uh, we see later in Genesis that Joseph uh, his brothers, after they have come back and he sees them again, he has tears of appreciation, even though they've sinned against him, that God is bringing, uh, is going to bring reconciliation. And he has incredible amount of tears. We have tears because of sin in the world, as we shall see. Uh, there would be pain in childbearing right from the get-go in the book of Genesis. And through pain, uh, Adam and humanity would earn their keep by the sweat of the brow. And there would, was this increase of pain in childbearing. And then because Satan is the ruler of the spiritual world, God is transcendent, and he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he's sovereign over all, amen? But the world system that governs the wickedness in the world system is principalities and powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And uh, there is weeping and pain that goes on because of these wicked entities. In Mark chapter 9, there's a demon-possessed son, and the father, he, uh, he, he is crying, it says. He, it says that the father, straight away, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, said with tears, Lord, I believe, help you my unbelief. So I think it's important. Uh, is there a brother in the back maybe uh, that could go next door and tell him, I don't know, can you guys hear the music? 
Yeah, it, that'd be great. Thanks, Buck. Tell him we're having a service, you know. It's not as loud as before, though, so thank the Lord for that. Amen. Try to be thankful in all things, right? So praise the Lord. Now, if he turns it up, hold me back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this man was in tears, and it's interesting, the tears will get worse. In Matthew 24, Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars, false Christ, false prophets, deceiving, if possible, even the very elect of God. And uh, there'd be all these, you know, things that are going on in the tribulation period. And he said this is the beginning of sorrows. The sorrows would get worse. Uh, there's tears at times that we have when there's a sense of a longing for God, a sense of being, uh, getting, getting closer to him. As a deer pants for after the water brook, so my soul pants after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? So sometimes we have tears because we have a sense of, of, of separation from God or we're out of fellowship with God. It's interesting. We see uh, in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, there's a woman who recognizes her distance from God and she goes to Jesus in a Pharisee's house and as she stands next to him, her tears fall on his feet and she falls down and washes his feet with her tears. So tears are a part of the fallen world that we live in, that God allows us to experience. It's really pretty heavy when you think about it, that we're the only ones that really cry in all the species. But you know, there's one other person or one other that cries as well. Who might that be? God, okay? And when I say cries, mourns, or weeps, uh, I don't necessarily mean with tears, although I'd also mean with tears in certain cases for sure, is God weeps. But there's nine different Greek words that are translated uh, weeps or cries or mourns in the Greek New Testament. And it's interesting, when we look at the very beginning, it's interesting that we would see that God actually weeps. Because in Genesis chapter 1, 26, verse 26 again, it says that we are made in the image and the what? Likeness of God. And we weep. Now I'm not talking about the immaterial, non-corporal world where God exists in the heavenlies that he has these big giant physical tears because God is spirit, amen? And spirit hath not flesh and bone, Jesus says, as you see that I have after he was incarnated in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, we see that God became flesh, amen? That the God became incarnated, the person of Jesus Christ, he's the God-man. In John chapter 1, the first three verses, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word God was God. And all things were made by him, and nothing came to being but by him, amen? amen. But the Word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us. So God became a man. And it's interesting, when you cry and think it's a unique phenomena, and I think we should think about that, that's really, really heavy. But you should also consider that you're made in the image of God, and that God himself grieves, groans, and weeps. And we say, well, we weep in a far more radical way because we're human beings. No, I believe what we do as humans, anything that we do as humans that's good is a mirror of something God does perfectly. Amen? Amen. So we're created in his image, and it's quite amazing. And, well, we know the shortest verse in the, well, we always say the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. It's not. It's the shortest verse you can say in the Gospels. Because there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I covered this on a Wednesday night study some time ago that's actually shorter. They're both two words, but in the Greek, the scripture in 1 Thessalonians is actually a little bit, at the end there, is actually a little shorter as far as the, the uh, letters, the Greek letters. But nonetheless, Jesus wept. But what did Jesus say when Philip wanted to see the Father and it would be enough? What did Jesus say to him? Don't you know me, Philip? Jesus says to Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has what? Has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now Jesus is one of the divine persons within the tr Trinity. When we talk about the Trinity, we're not talking about three different gods and we're not talking about uh, one, just one person either, amen? We're talking about one God, but three persons, a cod, Right, the 
when a husband and wife come together, the two shall be what? One flesh. But there's two persons, amen? My wife and I are, are one flesh, but we're two persons. God is one God, but he's three persons. And it's my wife and I share the same essence of humanity, amen? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same essence as divinity, amen? amen? And the scriptures tell us that uh, the I don't have time to get way into the triunity of God. I like triunity better than trinity, actually, that term, but I'm not, not opposed to the word trinity. I like trinity as well. But there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he said over and over again, I could have shared 20 scriptures on this or so, where the works that I do are the works that the Father gave me. The things that I say are what the Father gave me to say, amen? And on and on and on, because he's a reflection of the Father. He is the exact, uh, he's the Im- in, made in the image, uh, not made, he became, he's born, born, amen, begotten, but he is the image of the Father, amen? amen? So when he became a man, God became a man. He took upon flesh, descended from David, fulfilling the Davidic prophecies that he'd be son of man, but also son of man is also divine. In Daniel chapter seven, when he comes back with the clouds of glory, amen, and he's also the son of God. Amen. Begotten of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Without beginning of days, the scriptures say. What an awesome God we have. Amen. But if you see me, Jesus says, you've seen the Father. So when we see Jesus weeping, we're seeing the heart of the Father. And you should take solace in, in that. You should rejoice that the Father, his heart breaks. Amen. The Bible says he is with the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Amen that he cares about you. And twice it talks about in the book of Hebrews that he's sympathetic to what we go through. He was tempted always like unto us, yet without sin, yet he's able as our high priest to sympathize with us, amen? To, to understand the pain that we go through. Well, God is not a man. How can he understand what I'm going through? Well, God is God, therefore he can understand what you're going through. But also God became a man, amen? amen. And he was tempted way beyond that of any, of each, any one of us, amen? And he can sympathize with any and everything that we go through. Tempted always like an S, yet without sin. And yet, at the same time, he understands our tears. In fact, God uses Jeremiah, a prophet, to speak to the people of Judah and warn them of the coming Babylonian siege and captivity because of their ongoing rebellion against the Lord. But it's interesting because Jeremiah is to represent the Lord God. And he warns Jeremiah that, you know, you better not be dismayed before the people, or I'll make you dismayed. You better speak my words. And it's interesting because in Jeremiah, we read over and over again, like in Jeremiah chapter nine, verse one, we read, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. But he's speaking for God. That's God's heart. And God uses Jeremiah as a human vessel to weep before the people. Heavy when you think about it. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 17, it says, Speak this word to them. Let my eyes overflow with tears night and day without ceasing. For the virgin daughter, my people, has suffered a grievous wound, a crushing blow. Okay? Jeremiah was dealing with the sin and rebellion of God's people, and God was dealing with them through Jeremiah, showing his heart, and that Jeremiah was even a fountain for tears that God felt, for the pain and anguish that God felt. And he was crying over the judgment that his people would face for the recalcitrant, uh, stubborn, unrepentant, their unrepentant hearts. We read Lamentations. Lamentations means to weep. And it was written by Jeremiah. Same prophet, chapter 1, verse 16 says, For these things I weep. Why, Jeremiah? For these things I weep. Mine eye, my eye runs down with water when I see the people of God turning from him. Turning from God makes the prophet of God weep. Yet, we read in Isaiah 63, 9, speaking of the wilderness trials, in all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. And all the affliction they were going through, somehow the Lord God was going through that, which is interesting. Now there are at least three times that God cried in the person of Jesus Christ. 
the God-man at least three different times. Uh, when they were celebrating what has come to be called Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus cried because he was aware of the judgment that they would face and that those who were shouting hosannas, you know, hosanna in the highest, those who were shouting the hallelujahs would later, not long from that, just days later, be crying, crucify him, crucify him, and the judgment that would come upon their heads because they were a fickle crowd. In Luke chapter 19, verse 37, and let's go there, Luke chapter 19, verse 37. And this is sad because you want to be steadfast in the Lord, immovable, amen, abounding in his grace, continuing in the faith, uh, pressing on in Jesus because, uh, and thank you, Lord, for the music stopping, and thank you for the faithful brothers. Did they make it back safely? I don't see Joe Buck or, oh, there's Josh, good. Okay, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 37, we read this. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, No, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Amen. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and what? And wept. He wept. Okay. Now it's interesting. He weeps there. And he says something quite interesting. Why does he weep? Saying, if you had known in this day even you, the things which make for peace, but now have been hidden from your eyes. If they would have accepted the Prince of Peace, amen, they could have peace. For the days will come, and guess what? His disciples will have tribulation, but they will not have wrath because they accept Jesus. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, isn't that interesting? So Jesus, we're being told here, he said the stones will cry out. And it says in verse 41 again, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and what? Wept over it. He's looking over Jerusalem people he loves. He had compassion over and over again in the crowds. Amen. You remember that? Like a, a, as, a, 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 as a bunch of sheep without a shepherd and he called them to himself but they rebelled against him. Sometimes they would come to him and they were excited but it was for the fish often and the loaves and what they could get. Don't just come to God as regarding what you can get from him. Okay. Amen. Because that breaks his heart. Come to him because of who he is. Because he is God. Amen. Because he is worthy of all glory, all honor, all blessing, all majesty, all praise belong to him. Amen. Satan knows a lot of people come to him because they just want things from him. We see that in much of the prosperity gospel, where you are even taught by some of their main leaders that you can command God, that you command him to give you things. And what does Satan accuse Job of doing? He only serves you. Why? Because you bless him, you give him good things. But take these things away and surely he'll curse you to your face. Well, guess what? Job was stripped and God revealed the reality. Because there's a cosmic theodicy going on where there's a defense of God's character throughout the scriptures. I try to tell people the book of Revelation is a major theodicy. It's all about showing in the courtroom of heaven and on earth that our God not only reigns, but that he is just, that he is faithful, that he is true, and righteous and true are all of his judgments. Amen? And nobody will point a finger at him. Every mouth will be shut, and everybody will be without excuse on the day of judgment. Amen? But Satan wants to say, hey, there's a lot of people that don't really love you. They don't really follow you. And he tried to take the most righteous man on the earth and said, that's him too, Job. But he was dead wrong about that, wasn't he? And God used that trial to bless Job twice as much as he'd been blessed before the trial started. But let's make sure that we cannot fall under that condemnation because there are many professing Christians, when things get tough, they just quit. They're like, no, you know what? I, I, 
I don't want this. If, if I'm going to go through things like that, I want to follow the Lord. Well, that's because you're a selfish, narcissistic, ingratious, ingratiating person. That's wrong. You're all about yourself. You're your own little God, and I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll serve you as long as you bless me and my universe. No, it's not about you and your universe. It's about him. He gave you life. Every breath you take is dependent upon him. Amen? You need to depend upon him for everything you have, and you need to be grateful for that because he didn't have to give us life. Amen? He didn't have to give us life. It just blows me away. I, I think about it from time to time. I can't believe I exist. You should be tripping out too. You exist. And you exist because, and, and praise God, we don't just exist, but we exist because there's an awesome God who loves us and cares about us, who also loves us so much that he made us, knowing that we'd rebel with a plan to send his son in the world to die and pay for our sins so we can make a new heaven and earth and be with us forever, Amen. It doesn't get better than that. You can't think up, I tell people all the time, you can't think up a better plan than God has. Just submit to it, amen? Say, your will be done, not my name. And hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. May your name be holy before me. May I constantly honor you. I tell you that, uh, that that's, I love that prayer, but my favorite part is when I, hallowed be thy name. And sometimes I doze off because I just stay there for 25 minutes. <laughs> Praise your name. You're so amazing, God. Hallow his name. Serve him because of who he is, amen? But Jesus weeps because these people, they basically like their bellies being full. They like, they like what they're getting out of following him and they don't have a clue what's going to happen. He said, you know, what's happened in a green tree, wait till there's not a green tree, wait till there's not fruit, wait till there's not, wait till you get hemmed in by the Romans. And Josephus tells us about the siege that took place for a few years over Jerusalem and ended in 70 AD and the people were hemmed in and as the Christians, Jesus warned them when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by the armies to flee and the Christians obeyed that and they fled and were, many of them were safe. Uh, but guess what? Great wrath, he said, will come upon this people in Luke chapter 21, the, those who rebelled. And Josephus tells us that it was so, such a suffocating evil that they went through at the hands of the Romans that over a million Jews were killed at that time. And people didn't have food. Mothers, they were eating their own babies, Josephus says. That no wonder Jesus wept, amen? No wonder he weeps. When you reject him and you only want him for what you can get from him and do your own thing, guess what? That supply line, that supply chain is going to break down eventually. At first and foremost, because God loves you and wants you to recognize that he loves you and that you need to have a relationship with him. Amen? And do, you need to repent and get back together with him. So it's very, very interesting. A second time that we read that Jesus wept was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it talked about, we've talked about hemorrhagosis a number of times where Luke records, and Luke's a doctor, that uh, his capillaries popped and out came blood, oozed out of his sweat glands and fell to the ground. I've told you before that science, unless it's changed in the documentary I saw years ago uh, where they've only found just over 100 people in forensic science that have actually experienced hematidosis. Out of hundreds of millions, billions that have lived, just over 100 people. And it can happen when there's an incredible amount of stress on a person and the capillaries pop. And Jesus had sweat mixed with with blood and as great drops they fell to the ground. But one thing that you don't see in is this passage in the Gospels is in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Listen to this. Of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he's praying he's saying to the disciples can you not pray one hour with me? Come on you guys are saying you never forsake me that you never deny me but you can't even pray an hour with me? I'm paraphrasing. But in Hebrews 5 7 we read in the days of his flesh that is Jesus' flesh he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. Loud crying and tears, which kind of blows me away. They were still sleeping, even though he's crying very loud. And he has these tears that are just dropping to the ground, and they're still sleeping and snoring. And they represent us, by the way. That's why we need to all beware. We all say, oh, I would have been that one disciple. Even though if they all forsook him, I wouldn't have done that, Joe. Isn't that what Peter was saying? But the Lord says, let him who thinks he stands through Paul take heed lest he fall. 
So we often recognize in our human weakness, the Bible says, put no confidence in the flesh. Amen. Do not put confidence in your flesh. Say, man, I love Keith Green's song, uh, By Grace I Stand, you know. And I just listened to that recently. It's one of my favorite songs by him. And uh, he says, if it wasn't for your grace, I would surely fall away. That's heavy. But by, God, by, by the grace of God, we've been saved. Amen. But by the grace of God, we stand. You still have a choice in salvation. You still have a, a choice to persevere to the end. But it's all ultimately by his grace. Amen? Amen. And we need to thank him for his grace. So it says, with loud crying and tears. Loud crying and tears. It says, in the days of his flesh, he offered both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. You're like, well, how was he heard? He went to the cross. It says, he said to his disciples, I am sorrowful to the point of death. His heart was breaking so much because he would bear the sins of the world and be separated from God. I'm not talking God being separated from God. Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit were always united, amen. But God's fierce wrath that we deserve would be pointed at his son, amen. The sky would become black and he would sense as the God-man a sense of anguish and pain and bearing the wrath of God and the concept of taking not just my sin, which would be hard enough, but your sin and everybody else's sin in the world, Stalin, Mao, Hitler, everyone's sin, everyone's sin in the world, bearing the penalty of that is ineffable, indescribable, unfathomable for our human minds, amen? We see through a glass darkly, we don't totally appreciate uh, what he went through. That's why I started a series, I've only done one message on it, I think, called uh, How Jesus Suffered Hell for Us on the Cross. It's going to be a five, six, seven part series, and I'm just going to do it here and there as I've been working it off and on because we don't realize, you know, the darkness that he suffered is a darkness we deserve forever. Amen. The thirst that he suffered is a thirst that we would have separated from him in hell as the rich man. It's like sent Lazarus to dip his finger when he was in Hades. It's even worse probably in Gehenna in the lake of fire. So Jesus went through incredible pain on the cross, anticipating that he has loud crying and tears, not the, as the pain, no much, the pain, yes, but the pain of bearing the Father's wrath, whom he's been closer to, he's been with from everlasting to everlasting, amen? amen. So that's another reason Jesus wept, amen? He cried over people, the lost and the judgment that they would face, much like Jeremiah did. He cried over the prospect of bearing the wrath of the Father, bearing the penalty of our sin. He didn't just die for our sins. He died as our sin. He became sin for us. He didn't become a sinner. He's an innocent, undefiled Lamb of God. Amen? But it was as though, I mean, he suffered in our place. Amen? So it's interesting to me. There's a third time he wept. We could possibly count when he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yet we don't know that there were tears there. And tears don't always have to be when we talk about Jesus grieving, weeping, crying, mourning, or God. We don't necessarily have to see tears. But I'm not going to count that as one. Although it's very possible he had tears. I believe he probably did. I don't know, though. Strolling down his cheek when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So we're not going to count that, but if that, if that happened, that would be four times. But a third time Jesus wept is in John chapter 11. Go to John chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 11, verse 32. And we read this, and this is after Lazarus had died uh, and Mary and Martha were hoping that Jesus would come because he was sick to the point of death and that he would come before he died. And they were so upset with Jesus because he was late, okay? Preachers typically run late, have news for you, okay? Uh, I've tried to kick that habit for years. And when I'm late, I'm not usually 20, 25 minutes late. I'm just usually a few minutes late, but I try not to be even a few minutes late. And people that know when I counsel them and everything know why I'm late because they always want a little bit longer. Or can I share this with you? Yes, Okay. And other times it's just me, okay? Got to be honest. I'm just doing this and trying to get that done. And it's like, no, I'll go there, you know? But I'm doing a lot better lately. In fact, I think I was like 20 minutes to church early today, half hour almost, so praise the Lord. Uh, anyway, uh, but I'm, I'm up early in the morning working and praying and crying out to the Lord, wanting this to be the best message I can. I'm not done with my message until I come up here typically, you know? 
because I'm a perfectionist. Uh, but look at this, 11.32. They're, they say, you're late. Jesus wasn't late, though. <laughs> he was perfectly on time uh, because he had a different plan than they did. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Okay, that's, that's so powerful. That's God in the flesh weeping over somebody dying. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus's. And guess what? Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you what? Friends. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus wept. Only two verses that I know of with just, only two different verses with just two words, and this is one of them. Jesus wept. Shortest in English, by the way, you can say that. Shortest verse in English, let's go there. I'm trying to find how it's the shortest verse in some way, so I say in the Gospels. But it's the shortest verse in English. Jesus wept. And we see this. So the Jews were saying, see how much, or see how he loved him. And it's like, well, he's going to bring him back from the dead. Why is he weeping? Some say, you know. Some say it's because he's going to bring him back from the dead and take them, take him out of Abraham's bosom, which is a place of paradise. And he was sad he had to come back. I don't know about that, you know. Uh, some say, no, he's weeping because he's distraught over the human condition because sin brings death. I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm sure that was part of it because it says when he saw him, it says, then Jesus wept. But keep in mind, I believe a fuller answer is yes, because the consequences of sin is death and it tears up relationships, amen? But it says when they had, when Mary was mourning with Martha and said, if you'd been here, it says that when he heard this, what? And he saw that they were troubled. What does it say? I think there's a key here to understand what's going on here. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. So already he's deeply moved in his heart and spirit because he's sympathizing with them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who what? Weep. God gives us commands that he, <laughs> you don't think he can, he, he's calling us to be like him, Amen. He rejoices when we rejoice in what's right, in righteousness, amen. But his heart also breaks when our hearts break over. And that's a really awesome thing to know because, again, in Hebrews, it talks about he's able to sympathize with us, amen, and, and, and feel for us when we go through things. Aren't, isn't that awesome? I was just telling somebody recently uh, that I was discussing with somebody who was saying that the God of my understanding is so much bigger than your God, Joe, because... Uh, he, he, he just, he's so big that he's not even, doesn't even know we're here anymore. He just made us and moved. A form of deism, right? And I said, I basically told him that's a little dinky God. My God's so much, the true God is so much bigger than that. Why? Because he's interested in each and every one of us. Because his mind is such, his omniscience is such, his benevolence, his love, his character, his beauty is such that he cares about each and every one of us, amen? And that, guess what Jesus said? He knows every what? Hair on our heads, amen? Wow. Not only does he know every hair on our heads, but guess what? It's, it says he catches our tears in a bottle. A literal bottle? No, I believe that's metaphorical. But it's talking about every one of our tears, not just our hairs is accounted for. He cares about the tears. What's he saying? Every hair? I mean, guess what? He's sovereign and he loves you meticulously, amen? I do personally believe in total free will, but I do believe in meticulous providence. Very meticulous providence, man. Every little detail, every little tear he's accounted for. He, he, he's that awesome of a God. And he loves you that much. We talk about how he's omnipresent and he's omniscient and all these things, but guess what? He's all-powerful, so, all, you know, sovereign, but he's also omnibenevolent, Amen. He's perfect in all of his attributes and he's perfectly loving, amen? 
even when his wrath comes, it's an expression, I believe, of his holiness and his love and his justice against that which is evil. Because he loves us and cares for us, right? And, he, and his name is exalted above every name. He will punish the wicked because of how they treat his name, his person, and how they treat those who belong to him. Amen? Because he loves us. It's an awesome, awesome God. Are you with me today? We have a really, really wonderful, awesome God. So I believe he wept because the condition of death and the result of man's sin. I believe, I don't know that he wept because he's bringing Lazarus back and he's like, man, he's in a better place. I'm sad that he has to come back. That could be true. I don't, can't say it's not for sure. There could be truth to that. But I do also believe he wept because he was feeling the pain that they were going through, but even on a greater level. But he had a different thing going on though, right? He had that pain, but he also knew he's bringing Lazarus back, amen? He also knew that Lazarus would live forever in his kingdom, amen? amen. But that didn't stop him from, from expressing tears. And you have to be careful because the Bible says we're supposed to comfort one another. We're supposed to comfort one another with the comfort that we've received. And the Bible says that God is a God of all comfort. So we're supposed to comfort others with the comfort that we've received, amen? Yet we've got to be careful because somebody could lose a loved one and we know that that loved one knew Jesus and we can comfort them saying, hey, he's with Jesus, praise God. But you also want to still sympathize with their pain. You don't want to just say, hey, come on, sister, your husband died, yes, and two kids got killed, they both love Jesus, they're with heaven now. Snap out of it, just be happy. That's not what you do. You're better biting your tongue and not saying a word. Because the Bible says, Cry, weep with those who what? Weep. You still want to understand where they're at, what they're going through. They've been so close to dad or whoever it is that died that there's a big hole now. Yes, he's with Jesus, praise God. But guess what? There's a big hole in their hearts because they're not going to see him for a long time. And other extending circumstances that come with death that are very hard to experience. So you wrap your arm around them. You let them know you love them. You praise God for them and their anguish. You know, it's... It's tough going through things, you know, like that. And, uh, you know, Jen, just sister, we're still with you in prayers, amen? We love you. She lost her husband, what is that, like five or six weeks ago now? Maybe going on two months, right? And a lot of tears, you know. We had a funeral right here. It was packed, man. And, uh, and a lot of tears. And praise God, you need to let those tears out, even as you are now, sister, because uh, you miss them, you know? And there was a great love, which was beautiful to see between our sister and, and, her, and her husband and the family and all. And, and there's something beautiful about funerals, something so beautiful. <laughs> she, she shared for, what, it was Jenna Hour? It was beautiful, powerful message that she shared about her husband and, and their hope in Christ. And my only regret is, uh, I didn't get to meet him because he came. He's, you guys were watching it for, on live stream, I don't know, for how long? August to April, and then she, she brought him in one Sunday, and he wanted so much to come up and say hi, but he was so wiped out because of dealing with cancer, and then he died. But his love for the Lord, he was a hellion before he found Jesus, man, but when he found Jesus, he found him hard. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful uh, testimony of his love for Christ, and have an impact on the kids when he turned to Jesus. And uh, praise God, sister, your prayers paid off because he came just in time. Don't stop praying for your loved ones in Jesus, amen. Now, interesting, the Holy Spirit also grieves. The Holy Spirit also groans. In chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus talked about how, and I will pray that the Father, and he will give you another helper, uh, that he may abide with you or be with you forever. Wow. And by the way, in the King James, he's called comforter, another comforter, amen. In the Christian Standard Bible, he's called another counselor. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, in, in the NIV, he's called another advocate. Isn't that interesting? Advocate, comforter, helper, counselor, you know. They're not sure how to translate that word because it has a range of meanings. And that's beautiful that it does. Because the Greek word's paraclete, one who comes alongside to help, to encourage, amen? You can even call it another encourager. And the word another there is alas in the Greek. And there's different words for the word another. There's the word heteros 
And there's the word alas, and some uh, scholars point out that that word, Greek scholars point out that that word alas can mean uh, another of the same kind. And that word alas, like the, the, the Latin translation of that Greek word uh, is the word from which we get alias, right? A name for the, of the same, right? So alas can mean one of the same kind, where the word heteros can mean another of a, more often, a different kind. Like we speak of heterosexuals, a man marrying a woman, another of a different kind, amen? Well, the Father sends the Holy Spirit, and Jesus calls him another alas of the same kind, in other words, that should have been so comforting for the disciples to hear and understand that, wow, the way Jesus comforted us, the way Jesus was with us, the way he loved us, now the Holy Spirit is coming, amen? Jesus says, I go to the Father. If I don't go to the Father, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you, be with you always, even to the end of the age, amen? And Jesus said the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, would, in John 14 through 16, that they would all make their homes in our heart, amen? Where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. So it's, we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit grieves. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed into the day of redemption. Amen? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can grieve. And the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that we cry out. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I love that. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns, uh, that, that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by whom you cry, Abba, Father. It's by the Holy Spirit who lives within us that we're able to say, Abba, Father, you're my Father. He bears witness with us that we're the children of God through faith, amen. He directs us to a relationship with the Father. Even as Jesus, no one comes to, me, comes to the Father but through what? Me, I'm the way, the truth, and life, no one's Father but through me. So the Holy Spirit, through Jesus and his shed blood, we have access to the Father through faith in his shed blood and his resurrection, amen. Now the Holy Spirit helps us to pursue that relationship, amen. And that's very, very important that we understand that. He directs us to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, my words will be brought into remembrance to you by the Holy Spirit, and it's through the Holy Spirit that we pursue and grow in our relationship with the Father. Yet in Romans chapter 8, 18 through 28, it talks about how all of creation is groaning to be delivered because it's in bondage since the fall. Thorns and thistles came up. There's been a mutation in nature. All of creation groans. Then it talks about how we groan, our bodies groan to be delivered. We're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, the resurrection of our bodies. But then it says we don't know always how to pray, but that the Holy Spirit intercedes with us or intercedes for us with words that cannot be uttered. We can't utter these words. They're so deep. And the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with groanings. Isn't that interesting? He can be grieved by our sin, but he groans on our behalf. You mean like groaning, meaning with pain? Yes, that's what groaning is. That's what the Greek word refers to. Just as Jesus was grieved, just as Jesus groaned, and he wept. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit has physical tears, but guess what? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? And he moves us to tears and to, to feel his pain, amen? That's heavy when you think about it. It's heavy. You know, the Bible says that God's jealous for us, so we, he grieves, the Holy Spirit grieves within us when we go the wrong way and we sin. He grieves, why? Because we're told in James chapter four, you adulteresses, know you not, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And it says that the spirit that God caused to dwell in us jealously yearns for us. He wants us. We belong to him. He made us in his image. And there's a godly jealousy, as Paul calls it, 2 Corinthians 11. So we go astray, he grieves. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body belongs to him. What do you watch with the eyes that belong to the Holy Spirit? Don't watch filthy things. Set no evil thing before thine eyes. What do you listen to with the ears that belong to the Holy Spirit? Don't be listening to filthy music that's full of cuss words and talking perversely. Amen? What are we doing with our eyes and our ears? Amen? What are we saying with the mouths that belong to the Holy Spirit? Amen? Are we building up our brethren, encourage them in Christ, or tearing down our brothers and sisters? Let us walk in the light. Otherwise, we make God our enemy because we love the world and the world's ways. Let's make sure we love one another 
fervently, it says, to love your brethren from the heart. Amen? So it's really, really critical that we understand who this God is that we serve. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus on the day of his baptism when he came up out of the world like a what? Like a dove, amen? The Holy Spirit's like a dove. Lorena of Veramacus, you guys know, some of you know who the Veramacus is? When you're going and you're seeing our notes all typed out, my message all typed out, which is a lot of work, that's Lorena Veramacus. Lorena and Lucas are awesome. Love those guys. And some of you are saying, it's the Veramacus, is he saying it wrong? No, Veramacus, as I found out. I'm like, it's make, not mox, because they're Greek, not Spanish, I guess, you know. That's what I heard. I hope I didn't butcher your name, but that's the way I've heard. I always hear Veramacuses. But uh, Lorena had sent me, and then Lucas resent it, of uh, these doves, you know, uh, that they lose their loved ones. And dug, doves mourn. They grieve over losing loved ones. And, and I don't know if we have that, Jonathan, if we can show that, that'd be great. Uh, but uh, there's a video that she had turned me on to some time ago. And uh, it's at, at the end. I don't know if you found that part I was mentioning to find. It's toward the end. And it's just, uh, it shows they have these two, two chicks and both the father and the mother does mate for life, which is really cool, right? And they grieve, they mourn when one's lost. And here they have these, these doves and these little chick doves and these chick doves from a disease or I don't know what died. And after they die, both the mother and the father are trying to revive them, are trying to revive them and bring them back to life. And there's a grieving, it's a very, very sad video because it's their little ones, you know, and they're trying to revive them, bring them back up to life. And guess what, guys? When we rebel against the Lord, we head towards spiritual death. Jesus said, he that keeps my word will never see death, amen? And the Holy Spirit seeks to revive us and keep us, keep us alive by fanning the flames of a love for God where we cry out, Abba, Father, don't stop praying. Abba, Father, crying out to him, amen? Don't stop repenting because the Bible says we need godly sorrow. The Bible says worldly sorrow leads to death, but godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to salvation, amen? J James says to weep and mourn. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall what? They shall be comforted, amen? Woe unto you if you're just happy now, Jesus said, because the opposite will take place. But James says to weep and mourn and howl and cry out for God's mercy, amen? And he'll show you mercy. Don't get callous toward the Lord and the things of the Lord, amen? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit grieves in his heart when we are in rebellion to God, amen? So it's critical that we have a relationship with the Lord and that we cry out to him. The Bible says if we hide our sins, we will not prosper. But if we confess our sins and forsake them, we'll be blessed, amen? So let's all make sure we're walking with the Lord. Now, I don't know where you're at right now in your walk. Hopefully you're all following and pressing in uh, to the kingdom with Jesus and through Jesus' name, through his precious blood, amen? But if you haven't come to Jesus yet, you need to mourn your sins. You need to, I'm not saying you have to have a bunch of tears, but in your heart you have to hate your sin. Blessed, Jesus said the very first of the most amazing message ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, the first of the Beatitudes in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the very first thing Jesus says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit are those who have, don't have self-righteousness and say, hey, I'm a good guy, I'm gonna make it. No, it's those who recognize they're spiritually bankrupt with, without God in this world, that they're hopeless and they have no future outside of God except eternal separation and they recognize they're sinners and they cry out to God, not based on their own righteousness, but based on what Jesus did on the cross and they own up to their sin, they recognize their sin, they say, have mercy on me, God, I'm a sinner, amen? And they embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And the Bible says if we believe in our hearts that God raised from the dead and we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, what? We shall be saved, amen? You put your trust in Jesus Christ now and what he did for you. And he is your Lord. You put him first now. The Bible says if you put your trust in him, you'll pass from death to life and will not come into condemnation. Amen? Put your trust in Jesus now. Amen? Receive the gift of eternal life if you haven't received it yet. Mourn your sins. Recognize what you've done and how you've grieved God. Amen? How you've broken his heart. And cry out to him. Whoever, it says, whoever, that's you and me, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved, amen. Cry out to him now and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray. If you have not started a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I do have sorrow in my heart because I've lived my life for myself and I ruined my life. I grieve your heart. I thank you that you love me still so much that you sent your son into the world to die a perfect death, live a perfect life, and die a perfect death for me and all the world and rise again on the third day. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I embrace Jesus Christ right now as my Lord and Savior. Your son's name I pray. Amen.